Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, will y'all give all of our campuses a big hand clap that are watching online, our friends in Amarillo, Henderson, Dumas. Hey, we love all you guys, and we're so glad that you're here today in in the house of God. I'm super excited about what's getting ready to happen and uh, getting to teach with Jesse today. We're going to team teach a little bit, so this is like hanging out in our house on the couch, except when I'm on the couch, I fall asleep and embarrass Jesse. But if I'm standing up, I can't go to sleep. And uh, I always finish the house sermons. Yeah, she finishes the house sermons. Sure. I go to bed at 9 o'clock, right? And when the sun goes down as early as it is, how many of y'all want to go to bed here at like 545 right now, right? It's like I can't wait for the sun to come up in the morning. But uh, let's do this. Let's pray. And we're going to talk about uh, putting things down today that we need to put down in our life. Now, I really believe this is a message from the Lord. I believe it's going to help us all. So come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I thank you that you help us all. Lord, I know in life a lot of times we pick up things we should put down. And we put down things that we should pick up. Now, I pray you would help us get our priorities right and our life right. And you would teach us your glory, your goodness, your grace. I declare deliverance in this house and help from you. And I say we're going higher as a people in Jesus' name. Mighty, mighty name. I want to set a text for you, and then Jesse's going to read it in one second. This is a text that has a lot of um, crazy stuff going on in it. There's a woman that's caught in the very act of adultery. And there's a group of people that are wanting to kind of pigeonhole her and could cost her her life to mess up Jesus' ministry. And Jesus comes, and he straightens the whole situation out. It's John chapter 8. How many of you guys are glad that every sin you committed, you didn't get drug out before the whole community? <laughs> we can just praise God for that today as we read in John 8. But I want you to turn there with us today. If you are uh, have your Bible or have your phone, go ahead and open it up to John chapter 8. And we'll just start in verse 1. It says this, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down, and he wrote on the ground, Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, uh, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, 
Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Come on, look at your neighbor and just tell them, go and sin no more. Tell them that today. Amen. Also, whenever Jesus calls her woman, just so you know, it's not like woman. It would be like madam. All right. Back in the day. So Jesus wasn't talking rough to the lady because that tears people up sometimes. Um, Here's kind of what happens. That's what you call me. Yeah. Yeah. Woman. Get in there. Woman. That's right. Uh, So so here's what happens. Uh, There's a group of religious leaders that are hell bent on keeping their authority and their voice in the region. And they see this new voice beginning to rise up and begin to take away their authority, their power, and their platform. And there's nothing worse than someone who's starting to lose their power, especially if they're moved on by some worldly sense. You can watch, read military history, and see when some world leader starts to lose his power. It's when the blood starts flowing in the streets. You can watch, you can see whenever a political party is going out of office, they'll often do everything they can to destroy the next party coming in. It's fallen human nature. These Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, they had a grip on everything in religious life in the area for hundreds of years. And then Jesus shows up. A prophet hadn't been there and prophesied from Malachi until John the Baptist. John shows up, gets a crowd. He's breaking their hearts. They're losing power. Then Jesus shows up after John, starts getting a crowd. He's working miracles. He's breaking their heart. And they know that there's a woman that got around town, so to speak. Somewhere, somehow, somebody got their eye on what this lady was doing. Now, I wouldn't put it past these guys to have set her up totally. They might have sent a guy to seduce her so they could have the perfect trap laid. So the woman goes into the bedroom with the guy, and all of a sudden, these religious leaders, they bust down the door, they grab her, they pull her out. She may be half clad. The situation is grim. Now, in the Old Testament, according to the law of Moses, she can be stoned for such activity. But these guys that are accusing her, they don't care about the law of Moses. All they care about is killing Jesus. See, sometimes the motivation people put in front of you isn't really the motivation that they're after at all. Can I get an amen out there? Yeah. Have you ever seen more cooking behind the scenes than what somebody's putting on the table in life before? And so notice, here's how you know it's not their motivation. They don't take her to what they would deem the proper Jewish authority to execute the law of Moses and to kill her. They take her to where Jesus is teaching and a crowd is assembled. Think about being standing in this meeting right now We're up here teaching, and all of a sudden, through the back of the church house, the doors fling open, and there's a half-clad woman who's been beat up and drug around that's drug right down the aisle and cast in front of my feet. Now, a guy over here comes with her, and he stands up, and he says, he says, Preacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. And in the Pentateuch, or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, it says we should kill her right now. What do you want to do? These guys are trying to cause trouble. They're trying to trap Jesus between the law of Moses and breaking it publicly so they can kill him. They don't care about this woman. She's just a pawn in the story. And see, there's there's two kinds of people in life. I really believe this. There are truth seekers. Come on, somebody say truth seekers. There's a truth seeker and then there's a troublemaker. Everybody say troublemaker. troublemaker. And I'll tell you what, anywhere you go, you'll find truth makers and you'll find troublemakers, truth seekers, and you'll find troublemakers. I, I was reminded uh, about this several years ago. 
uh, or actually just a few weeks ago, but it happened years ago. I was with uh, Pastor Daniel Bracken. He'd come here to preach for us in Owensboro. How many of y'all appreciate Pastor Daniel? Come on, let's give Pastor Daniel a hand clap. He was here. I forgot about it. He reminded me of it. And he said, the first time I came and preached at your church, Brian, uh, you took me to Starbucks. And he said, we walked into Starbucks, and there was a, a young man there. And we got our coffees, and you're walking out. And this young man stops you and says, he's talking to you. And he says, Pastor, I want to know what you're reading right now. And he said, you turned around to him, and you looked him in the eye, and you said, I'm reading Bram Stoker's Dracula. And then you just walked out of the Starbucks, and I... I couldn't believe what you'd done. I was like baffled. And he said, we got in the car and you looked at me and you said, there's two kind of people in life. They're truth seekers and they're troublemakers. That man's a troublemaker and he'll get none of my time. Right? Even if someone disagrees with us as Christians, if they're seeking truth and it's the right spirit and the right heart, give them all the time of the day. Amen? But how many of you know some people come to ask you questions or to get around you or, 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 or hit you on Instagram or Facebook and they don't care about the truth, they care about trouble. Don't give them a moment of your time. Can I get, come on, somebody ought to give God a hand clap. You ought to grow up, get bigger than that. Time is too precious to waste on a troublemaker. Isn't it right? It's so true. The longer that we live and pastor, the longer that we walk into public places and, and, and experience these exact, because you wouldn't think that that would happen all that often. But to be all honest, the there are a lot more troublemakers than there are truth seekers. And so as you deal with that in life, you have to decide, am I going to pick that up or am I going to ignore that thing? Am I going to allow that to affect my heart or am I just going to, and he really was reading Dracula. I have no idea why. <laughs> but he... Uh, I like vampires. He what had can the, I say? <laughs> he had the right... He, he had an answer for him that was not what the young man wanted to hear. And it wasn't what... It wasn't the time that he wanted to spend on it. But he wanted to, in a public place, expose something that he felt like he wanted to talk about. And he was going to use that as an entry point. Let us not take time and spend there, but also let us not be those people. Let us not be the one that is looking to start the trouble with somebody. Let that's us good. be the one that's always looking to know truth, that we have our hearts set on what we know from the word, but we're always looking for what else we can learn from God and from the people of God. And we're looking to find those people and to extract every bit of knowledge. I was just in an airport the other day and a lady sat down beside me and I didn't know her but I, I I looked at her and her and her husband were there and we something happened and she knocked the pepper off the table and it came flying at me like a missile and I said are you trying to attack me well she got tickled and uh, we began to talk and she told me something mentioned that she uh, had a daughter and a son and I said well give me your best advice for raising a teenage daughter I wasn't looking to trap her I was looking for a truth bomb because I'm raising a teenage 
teenage girl right now. And she's, she ended up, I found out she was a believer. She knew Jesus. She had, she goes, as a matter of fact, I wrote a book on how to raise teenage girls. And so she just starts dropping all these truth bombs to me and I'm taking them in. But that wasn't me being a troublemaker. That was me being a truth seeker. And God blessed that as I reached out with that question and to know somebody, you know, you can learn things from a lot of people and people that you don't even know you can get truth out of. Sometimes God will intervene and he'll bring truth to you as you ask the right questions and you treat people with kindness and you treat them with respect. These guys wanted nothing to do with kindness and respect. They wanted nothing to do with spiritual growth. They really just wanted to, as Pharisees, trap this woman in the sin of her life. And But really it wasn't even about her. They wanted to use her to expose Jesus. And as they were standing in the middle of this place, I don't know, maybe they already had a stone in their hand. Maybe they were ready for what was about to happen. Maybe they had prepared themselves because they knew they were going to get this opportunity. But notice that Jesus says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And it says then that the oldest left first. Do you know why the oldest left first? Because the older you get, the more you know that you don't have any stones to throw. That's why. Because when you're young, you think everything is black and white. But as you age, things get a lot more gray. How many can say a big fat amen to that? If it's not the Bible, it's uh, it's a little different, and life happens, and things happen, and you get grace for people, and to be honest, you grow a lot of empathy for people's situation, and where they are in life, and what they've had to go through, and who they've had to be married to, and all of the things that we know and that we understand as we age, we don't necessarily know that when we're 19 or 20 years old, and as we've pastored young people, it's funny because they've come back to me. I remember I had one of the first babies in this church and people were so hard on me about how I was raising that first baby and they would say things to me and ask me things like why don't you craft with her craft I'm trying to do laundry what are we even talking about but they would say funny things to me you know about my motherhood and they would make comments and I actually have had people come back to me over the years and apologize to me after they had three or four kids and say, hey, you weren't doing such a shabby job. I just had no clue what I was talking about. But as we age, we get that. And as they began to lay those stones down, Jesus just got down in the ground and he just began to write. And you know why? Because you don't have to answer people the minute they ask a question. Just because someone texts you does not mean you have the right answer yet. Come on, somebody give Jesus a hand clap for that. You don't have to answer him. Yeah. Right now. Tell your neighbor you don't have to answer him right now. That's good. Just because they FaceTime message you does not mean that you're required to answer that FaceTime inbox message within five minutes. In fact, you don't even have to have a messenger on your phone that alerts you. You could actually look into the eyes of your family and use that as your distraction for the day. 
as people in this day and age, we think that if someone asks, if someone calls because we've got that phone in our hip pocket, that we have to answer within a timely manner. It used to be that you had to return a phone call within 24 hours. Now, if you don't answer, they start texting. If you don't answer the text, they start sending the Facebook messages. If you don't answer the Facebook message, they respond with, well, fine then, never mind. And I'm like, okay, cool, fine then, never mind, I got off, it's awesome. And so I want you to know today, you don't have to answer someone just because they're asking. Jesus took time, it's called wisdom. He bent down and he began to ride in the sand and he took a minute and he was breathing in his nose, out his mouth. Some of you need to take a minute and just breathe in your nose and out of your mouth. Take a minute to relax in this life, and you don't have to get as angry, as worked up, as torn up about everything that's coming in. Jesus knew how to control the situation by giving himself just a little bit of time because these were about to start coming for somebody. Man, that time is beautiful. And uh, I think learning, especially when you're in a tense situation or something tough coming at you, so maybe in, in marriage, maybe somebody's fired at you on Facebook or, or, or something like that, maybe in the workplace, how many have wished with a lot of encounters like that in life, you would have taken a little more time to think about what you were going to say next? Anybody, anybody ever been there? And I think Jesus, he just stoops down. I don't know if he gets down on a knee or what he does. And he starts riding in that dirt and he's buying himself a little time. And uh, preachers have, have, have guessed on what he's writing in the dirt. Some I've heard him say he starts writing down some of the Ten Commandments. I don't know if that's true, but it makes good preaching. And there's guys around there holding stones, getting ready to kill this woman. And he's writing out the sins, maybe, that they've committed. The Bible says the longer he stood there and he took time, he makes that statement, who is without sin? Let him cast the first stone. The Bible says that they were, they were convicted by their conscience. Yes. They started realizing they are not perfect. Come on, there is not a perfect Dang. person in the room. Can so I get big. an amen? Yes. There's not a Jesus that he's on the inside of us, but how many <laughs> know we are not completely conformed into his image just no. yet? How many of y'all would agree with me? We are all still a work in progress. And instead of casting stones, we ought to be putting people's lives back together. Instead of pushing people down, we ought to be picking somebody up. Instead of talking about somebody's issue, we ought to be talking to them with grace, trying to bring them out of their issue. Come on, we are here for the broken and the hurting. One of the strongest ways to learn to help hurting people is to realize that, man, I'm not 100% myself. Let's give Christ one more big hand clap for coming and loving us, even when we weren't 100%. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. So you take the moment and uh, give it a a while. You don't have to answer. But finally, he says that, man, the, the, the atmosphere totally changes. I believe it totally changes. And these guys, they start, they start taking these things they, they brought with them. Yeah. Man, maybe they brought it with them. I don't know if they were going to pick it up on the way to Stoner later or if they came packing their own, their own weapon. And after he says this, their conscience is so seared. That oldest guy's there looking around and he's like, I mean, these boys can kill this woman today, but I'm not going to be a part of it. The old guy turns around and he walks home first. And it's funny what happens whenever somebody finally does what's right. You ever watch a crowd moving in the wrong direction? One person stands up for what's right. They might get crucified, 
But they might start a movement of repentance. Yeah. And that's the chance the bold person says. So the old guy walks away. The next guy starts following. Oh, it's so true. We should be the one that starts the movement of repentance. I love what Brian just said because if it is within us to bring peace, we should bring peace into a situation. And I don't know what they were carrying, but I do know that unless you take what is in your hand, if you just will not let go of the stone, you know that young guy was still holding on to it like, no, I'm probably okay to throw it. He, he said, what does it take to move your heart into a place that you are literally willing to stone a woman for sinning and feel good about it on the inside of you? And yet every time that we see someone do something, it may not even be sin. It may just be a move that someone makes in their life, some decision that they make, something that they do. Sometimes it is sin, and we look at their sin as though it's greater than our sin, and we're like, oh, no, I'm ready. I got this. What does it take to make you so hard in your heart? What life things? Well, all it really takes is to pick up a stone and refuse to let it go. If you let that thing go, then God will have an empty hand that he can work with. And the key here is that if you do not let it go, have the empty hand, notice it, and pick something else up you'll continue to pick up more stones. I've watched this in, every, in people's lives for years and years. I've watched it in my own. I hold on to something so tight, and maybe even then God convicts me, and I let it go. And if I don't fill my hand with something else, it's called gratitude, the blessing of God, then I continue to pick up the next thing that I feel like I can throw, the next thing that I'm holding on to. See, that stone, that thing in your hand, you have to let it go, but then you have to fill it with the goodness, the blessing, and the thing that God has given to you. I'm telling you what, there are things in this life that you want to hold on to so bad, and you even feel like they belong to you, like you have the right to use them. And then God will say, let it go, and he will replace it That's with good. something. I remember my nephew being little. Do you remember when John Jacob was little? And he would stand and scream with empty hands. And I would say, buddy, what is it? And he would say, there's no toy. That's what he would tell me whenever his hands didn't have anything to play with. I thought it was so amazing that he like knew that he, he wouldn't say I'm bored. He would look at his little empty hands and say, there's no toy. So I would go get him something because I'm an aunt. I wasn't his mother. I would just go get something and just stick it in his hands so that he would quit screaming because he was actually letting me know that he needed something to play with. But the way he said it was so cute. But sometimes we just need to look at God and say, God, my hands are empty. I just let it go, but I need you to fill it. Show me what I'm grateful for. Show me what I can thank you for today. Show me what I can grab hold of that makes me less of a stone thrower and more of a God thank, a great, having a grateful heart towards the God that has saved me. And I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference. There's tons of stuff. And we have lots of things in life. But one of those things that I want to show you today is that bitterness that you just grab hold of. Every single one of us have an opportunity to get bitter. I'm telling you, we have had an opportunity to get bitter. And if you get bitter, you never make it. But if you don't get bitter, you do make it. 
That's good. Everyone in life has it. I, I, I saw something on Facebook the other day. It said, quit posting what's wrong with you. It's wrong with all of us. We all have the same problems. And I thought it was funny. But it's like everybody has things in life. And the devil knows exactly that place in your heart that he can wreck to make you a bitter person. It won't be the same thing that I get, but it'll be the thing that the devil knows that he can hit you with. And he's very strategic. The Bible says that he waits for a more opportune time. And then he just hands you that stone of bitterness. Yeah, you you watch some people in life. You ever encountered someone and uh, you're just doing your thing? And then all of a sudden, this person blows up on you, and you have no idea what they're going off about. You really didn't do that much. And it was kind of like you were the straw that broke the camel's back. Has anybody ever been in that situation before? I'll tell you, I was with the whole family. This was, I don't know, a couple of months ago. And uh, we were on a flight because we are preaching somewhere, and, and we were coming off of one, going to the next. And I get to the next gate we're going to. Jesse's with me. And we got like, we, we get there and there's like three minutes before they close the gate. And there's no open it up once they close it. And if she closes this gate, I got to spend the night in Dallas that night. I don't get to go home. And, and so I'm there. We run there. We're like, we got three minutes. And she says, she says, hold on one minute. And we're like, we're like, we don't, we don't have a minute, ma'am. You got to let us, you got to let us on there. She says, she says, hold on one minute. And I'm like, no, we're just standing there. We're like, but we're here. That's our flight. She says, hold on one minute. Gate's still open. She's looking at me. Hold on one minute. Then she turns around and closes the gate after I've been standing there like two minutes, looks at me and says, you're too late. Come on, somebody. I was reaching my backpack for a stone. I wanted to commit murder right then, right now, right? And then I'm like, I can't believe you just did that. I was here on time. We were shocked. I mean, we were in shock. Jess and I are looking at each other. This never happened. And and she throws up her hands and screams at the top of her lungs, what do you want me to do? I'm only one person. (laughs) And I'm like, I want you to let me on my airplane. I've been, uh, you know, uh, but, but what had that woman been through, right, with people running through that airport for God knows how many years that makes her ready to do that to the next customer? She picked up a stone somewhere in life. Man, there's people that pick up a stone of bitterness as a kid in school. They pick up a stone of bitterness because they were raised by an abusive father. They pick up a stone of bitterness because they were in in a marriage and they were married to a monster. And then they got that stone in their pocket. Somebody else gets out of line and they're ready to to bring blood. And so what we have to do as Christians, there's going to be ample opportunity to pick up the wrong kind of thing in life. So instead of picking it up, we got to realize when we're getting ready to grab it or when we got it in our hand that we have to let it go. Listen, we ought to let go of the things we need to let go of, and we ought to pick up the good things of God that we need to pick up. Come on, that's that's really God's plan for our life. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about bitterness. Man, Jesse and I, we've had some things in life where really we felt justified to be bitter. Yeah. It's like I wasn't wrong in this deal. I know I wasn't. I know I did what God told me to do. I, I know that I was right to the best of my ability. Not that I'm perfect, but it wasn't like I was unjust. And somebody's behavior was like against me was wicked, and it was foul. And it's like, God, I'm not dropping this stone. I'm, I'm keeping this thing because yeah. I want blood, and I want war, and I want to raise the earth, and I want to burn down things. Anybody ever been there before? It's not a Christian perspective. No. And I kept trying to set it down. But you know what happens? I'd try to set it down. I'd walk off. 
for yeah. a moment? <laughs> and I'd pick two up. Yeah, you get two of them then, right? I was a good spouse, really helpful. Yeah, yeah. I'd get over it and Jesse get I'd mad I'd be like, again. do you remember when so-and-so said this? And I'm he like, would yes. be like, yes. I remember. We're angry together now, bitter together now, hurting each other now. Now we're not, we don't, we're not picking up these things and doing anything good for anyone on the planet. Now I have corrupted my own heart and I have corrupted his heart. And I'm sure every single person I'm running into in Walmart, I'm, I'm corrupting their heart too because we felt justified in it, but all it really does is weigh you down and keep you from having the best that God has for you. And I'm telling you what, it is not worth getting to have what you think you deserve. I I think sometimes we don't even think about the things, the sinful things that we pick up. We pick them up every day on social media. Think about comparison. Comparison of our life to someone else's life. I watch people on social media begin to compare themselves one with another, begin to create profiles that look almost alike, begin to watch people who are taking 45 pictures of themselves before they post it. And then someone else is like, my goodness, they look incredible. And they are spending half of their life trying to look like the person that just got the perfect life and the perfect filter and the perfect thing. It's that comparison and it turns really quickly into a greed, that desire for what doesn't belong to you, the thing that you can't afford, the thing that wasn't ever supposed to be yours. And yet you saw someone else have it and God, uh, God's trying to speak to you, but you've got that thing in your hand and you have no gratefulness and so it begins to develop and you just start collecting the stones that you want to throw at someone else and it is easily, easily, easily then turned into making you a jealous person. That comparison into that greed, into that jealousy and now you can't be grateful for when God blesses anybody. My goodness, don't you want to be grateful when God blesses somebody around you? Don't you want to look whenever they buy a new house and be able to say, wow, your house is gorgeous. I'm so grateful that God blessed you with that. What an awesome thing. You've worked hard. You've worked long. You've been steady. You've been faithful. Can I bring a housewarming gift over? Can I bring something that I baked over to you? Would you allow me to buy a piece of furniture for your new house? That's all. I can't afford a new house, but I can afford a piece of furniture. Instead of putting it in mine, I'm just going to put it in yours because I want you to have a blessing. I want to give you something that is bigger than anything that I used to would have given because I used to be greedy and I used to be jealous, but... God's changed my heart. I'm picking up gratitude. I'm picking up excitement for you and your blessing. I'm picking up the gratefulness of God in my life. It's huge to replace it in your hand. Man, there's so many different things people carry, and it becomes a weapon in life. I don't know what your stone is. I don't know what what you got in your hand, but I know it gets heavy carrying something God hadn't designed you to carry. So true. If God hadn't called you to carry it, man, the Bible says, cast your cares upon Jesus. Yeah. Because he cares for you. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's self-hatred. You don't like yourself. You think you're too this or too that or not enough of this or not enough of that. All that's a lie of the enemy. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made in the image of God. God's got a purpose and a plan and a reason you're on this earth right now. And you got to learn to celebrate who God's created you to be. Amen? Amen. Maybe it's offense. Maybe you're offended. Maybe it's hurt. But I know this. This is the way life works. You can't just set something down and not pick something up in its place. You teach addicts this all the time. 
They're going to get rid of their addiction. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. How does somebody get over addiction? They got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody out there thankful that we still have the Holy Spirit and power around here and that God's not dead, but he's alive and he can change your life. So you teach that person with addiction, you got to be filled with the Spirit instead of wine and opiates and meth and coke. Be filled with the Spirit now. Then they're going to have to learn to fill their time, right? Six o'clock, they got off till who knows what time. Every night, they were doing something. They were with their running mates. You have to fill your time. You can't just have that empty time. That'll kill you if you're coming out of something like that. you got to fill your time, right? If you've been carrying around bitterness and hatred and greed and offense, some people are offended because I brought up offense right now, and I, <laughs> I, I can't help you. You need deliverance, right? you got to drop that, that, that rock down. You're going to have to pick something else up. So what, what do you do if, you're, if you got something like that? Instead of focusing on that issue, you're going to have to focus on the blessing of God. So if I, I'm so angry and so bitter, that's all I see. Man, I can't even see the blessings God's given me. So what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? You, you set down, come on, you set down the stone. Yes. Come here, Jess. And you decide to, you decide to, you got to, you got to, come on. You got you to gotta pick up the blessing, right? You're going to need two I'm hands for that. My, come on, somebody. No, no, say that out loud. All right. So you got to. You got to pick up the blessing. Right? I'm the blessing. That's You're the so blessing, good. Right? She didn't even know she was the blessing. I yeah, didn't you even did. know. Listen, if you got something like that going on in your life, you can't even see your spouse anymore. Can't even see your kids anymore. So true. Can't even see your coworkers that are a blessing in your life. Not the bad ones, but the good ones, right? You can't see them anymore. How many of you ever been there where you can't even see them anymore? Your eyes can't even see them anymore because you're just so consumed by it. I've been there. We've been there. I know. But God wants to deliver you today. He wants to open your eyes to see the things that he sees and the blessing that he's placed in you. And he's not going to leave you alone about this one. He's going to keep on tapping on your shoulder and being like, hey, I'd like to show you. Hey, that thing, you got to let it go. And I want to come in and bring the gratefulness. I'm going to show you exactly what it is. The good stuff. All the good stuff that we miss because we're focused on the thing that we've got to keep a hold of. Come on. I don't want to live my life looking for somebody to throw a stone at. I want to live my life looking to glorify the King of Kings mm-hmm. and the Lord of Lords. Yeah. Amen. Would you stand up on your feet with me today? I want to, I want to pray. I want to pray for you. And uh, I want to pray for people at every campus right now. Yes. And y'all stay with me. But right after we're done praying, the campus hosts are going to come up and pastors are going to take over at the campus. And I just want you to close your eyes right now, bow your head. I believe that God wants to do some yeah. business in here. He does. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do some business with us. Man, church, it's fun. Church is a good time. I believe church is fun. But there's also holy, serious times where we need to lay stuff down. And uh, there's some people out here under the sound of my voice. You, you, you know by the Spirit of God. You know by your conscience right now. It's like I've been, I've been carrying around something. I've got, I've got a, a, a stone of unforgiveness. Or i got a stone yeah. of greed or a stone of jealousy or a stone of bitterness or a stone of offense. I'm always offended. Anybody can say anything and I get cross with them. And it's no way for a Christian to live. God's got a higher level of living for each and every one of us. And he's calling us higher right now. If you're out there and you say, Pastor, I've got something like that. I, I want to choose by faith today to lay it down and to pick up the blessing. 
When I count to three, I want you just to lift your hand up right where you are, man. I'm going to pray, pray for you that we can put that down. One, don't put it off. Two, this is your moment. Three, just lift up that hand. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for yeah. me. Hands all over the place. Yeah. This is life. We all have to deal with this. Yes. Going to pick something up, you got to set it down. It's life. It's a choice. It's a choice. Now, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift, lift both of your hands to Jesus right now. Just lift both of your hands to Jesus in surrender. Now, I want you to say this out loud. Let's say it with them, church, right now. Say this. Say, Father, Father I, choose I choose today, today to, set down every stone to set down every stone that does not bring you glory. That does not bring you I glory. refuse to be bitter. I refuse to be bitter. I refuse to be offended. I refuse to be, I refuse to be jealous. I refuse to be jealous. I refuse to be self-focused. I refuse to be self-focused. I refuse to be self-loathing. I refuse to be self-loathing. And I believe, and I believe that as I lay this down, that as I lay this I'm down, picking something else up today. I'm picking something else I'm picking up today. I'm picking up your blessing. I'm picking up your blessing. I'm picking up your goodness. I'm picking up your goodness. I'm picking up your words. I'm picking up your words. I'm picking up your spirits. I'm picking up your spirits. I'm picking up your fruit. I'm picking up your fruit. And I'm walking in you. And I'm walking in I you. I thank you today. I thank you today. That this doesn't own me anymore. That this does not own me I anymore. I declare it's under the blood. I declare it's under the I blood. I repent of it. I repent of I it. I turn from it. I turn from I it. I walk away from I it. I walk away from it. And you're it. making me new. And you're making me new. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' Now just keep those hands up. Father, right now, I thank you for a mighty deliverance. In every campus, in every one of these people's lives, I say the Spirit of God's touching them, helping them, lifting them, changing them. I declare we don't walk out of here the same way we came in, but that we walk out different. We declare the difference over your life in the mighty matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, come on, somebody, let's celebrate. Give God a hand clap like it's already done.